Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. So Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This ep- episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. At 40 Strategy, we provide strategic planning, consulting to help organizations realize and achieve their dreams. Now, Bill, you understand because we've worked together in the past. Basically, we help organizations create strategic plans and measure the right KPIs for success. Unfortunately, most organizations only spend about 2% of their time on that. It's about 40 hours a year building an effective strategy. And I don't know about you, Bill, but that seems kind of crazy, right? That's only that little bit period of time. And at 40 Strategy, uh, your success is our passion. And so that's why our organization is calling us to help. Not only do we come up with strategy, but we facilitate that process with proven practices. Harvard research shows when you use the right key performance indicators, you can actually triple your success. And Bill, who wouldn't want that? that. So email us today at catch at 40 Strategy, or you can visit our website at www.40strategy.com. And from there, uh, before we get started, just a little shout out to George Linscott, who's the CEO at C2Sense. That's who connected the both of us. And um, I know you guys have a long uh, background beforehand. And what they do is they specialize in miniaturized mobile solutions for a healthier and safer world. So now I can introduce my guest, uh, my guest, excuse me, Dr. William Morgan. Uh, Dr. Morgan is the president of Parker University based in Dallas, Texas. Before coming to Parker, you were the chiropractor of the US Capitol treating members of US Congress and the Supreme Court. You're also the White House chiropractor consultant and clinician at Walter Reed Medical Center. You've been credentialed in five hospitals and a board member of a number of faculty appointments. You were also the team chiropractor for the US Naval Academy football team. You're a corpsman for Naval Special Warfare and a Marine. You've been selected at the US Chiropractor of the Year and I had the privilege to meet you a few years ago. And then you also spoke at our Cascade Strategy Engage Global Conference in Portland, Oregon. Parker University is a not-for-profit, regionally accredited university that shares your passion and desire to help people achieve a higher level of health. Bill, a lot has changed uh, since we last saw each other two years ago. And, and we could talk probably days and days about all those tra- you know, the changes that we've seen So tell us a little bit more about Parker University before I want to start asking you some um, questions about strategy. Well, Parker University is located in Dallas, Texas. We have 34 different majors. Chiropractic is one of them, but we have 33 other majors, other programs. And um, you and I have, have this passion and desire to fulfill our destiny through strategic planning, but also creating metrics and measuring those 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 metrics. Um, so we created a strategic plan a couple of years ago that we were working on and trucking along towards that. Then our university was struck by a tornado. Eight of our 14 buildings were destroyed. Um, of course, following immediately after that was the COVID crisis. But through it all, through my board of trustees and my, uh, my uh, faculty, staff at the university, We've come through that, and not only have we come through it, we've grown through the process. We're growing at the fastest rate of any college in Northern Texas. We're the fourth fourth fastest growing college in all of Texas. 
And we've we've won award after award. Our our boards just won an award. We've won an award as one of the best places to work, one of the best universities to work. So through it all, we're through these this really strong headwinds, we're still able to trudge forward and not just survive but prevail. So, Bill, I I still can't get over the tornado bit. Um, so. First of all, it's so rare for it to actually hit a major city, right? You know, that, that's extraordinarily rare. And then it hit specifically your building. What was that like the next morning? What, what happened? I mean, what, what, what did you do when all of a sudden, did you go immediately to the building? How far away were you? Get, give me some insight into that. I had just landed and, and uh, my chief of operations called me and told me we'd had some wind damage. I, we didn't know there was a tornado. So I go, better go check this out. So I grabbed my 45 and uh, drove down to the campus and it was a disaster. And there was already looters already showing up and I was kind of wow. waving them on um, with my 45. And uh, anyway, but they, uh, as I got here, it was just utter destruction. And it's like my chief of facilities came and I go, so how long do you think it's gonna take to get back up and running? And he's like, you don't get it doc. We, we don't have infrastructure. We don't have water, gas, electricity. It might be years. We might be done. Um, so that was the first night, and it was we. Uh, the next day, we got together the whole team together, and they were looking kind of forlorn at, at the hotel we had to meet at. And and when I walked in, they were got a long face, and I go, "Why the long faces? The only thing worse than forty million dollars in damage is thirty million dollars in damage." We get to rebuild from scratch the way we would want to. So with it, we we turned that around. And within a week, we put in 25,000 man hours of work to renovate the place, brought in building, fake buildings, or not fake buildings, but temporary buildings and um, tents and other things. And we were able to get us back on, on track within one week. Wow. So did you have, I'm kind of curious about that because that's extraordinary. Did you have a um, contingency plan in place or is this just based on your leadership experience of and in your team's leadership experience of of, of crisis management give, give me some insight behind that well it's, it's funny as i'm standing there the night of the tornado knee deep in rubble i mean there's rubble everywhere two of my freshmen drove up and said so so doc do you have a, a plan for something like this they go yeah we have things like this happen all the time we have plans well we get together the next morning and we start looking at options and this this tornado took a swath through dallas 13 miles long it was just it was terrible. And what we did, we looked at our options. And once we realized if we alter the, we, if we reclaim the library, we have enough classrooms to fit everybody. And of course, with our temporary buildings. So I realized we have to move quick. So we, as soon as we, we realized it was a go, as soon as the electricity came back on, we grabbed gener actually electricity didn't come back on. As soon as water came back on, we grabbed generators. We were the first ones to grab portable buildings. We were the first one to engage these disaster release companies. I'm convinced that if we late waited five hours, we would still be closed this year and a half later because wow. we beat everybody to the punch because everybody else, once they, they were, they were shell-shocked, all the other businesses, we grabbed them first so we could, so we could initiate them. And um, if, like I said, if we'd waited five more hours, we, we, probably, we probably would have never opened up again. You know, that message right there it did interesting obviously with your military background i think you know i love i have citizen soldiers back here which is one of my all-time favorite by stephen ambrose and there's a scene in there where lieutenant winners 
um, is everyone else is paralyzed and he just goes and, and he ends up, um, the story is it, it physically kind of taken on a company, I believe it was of, of uh, German soldiers. And, but it was through his initiative that they surprised the enemy and won. And if he didn't do that, if they were just stayed back, uh, they would have been pinned down. They wouldn't have been able to take advance. Do you think that's a bit of your military training that you just had the insight to go and, and go right away? Or was it something else that kind of drove that? I, I think it was well, my team gave me all the information that I needed to make the decisions. And you cannot waffle those. Now, there's you talk about that. I love that book. And that that what you're talking about with Lieutenant Winters is still taught at West Point today. That operation wow. where he, he, he moved on those, those German uh, cannons and it's still taught today is in tactics. But we talk about strategy. A book I like is Once an Eagle, and it's a tome, but it really solidifies that a, a good leader can, can see the situation, and when an opportunity opens up, they have the clarity to think, that if we don't take that hill right now, the battle's lost. If we don't do this, the battle's lost. That it, It's almost like the whole world parts, and you can see clearly the path. And if you don't take that path right then, it will close up again, and it'll be lost forever. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And and so now we roll in. You've done all these incredible efforts to get back in and to, you know, frankly, what you said a week, only lost a week of, of in, actual. In one week, but we, we got 300 of these workers and all of our staff and faculty put in 25,000 man hours in one week. Wow, wow. That, that's, that is an incredible, I mean, just effort, collective effort to get there. And so then you have this massive effort, you get back online, you get a little bit of um, breathing room, so to speak. And then this little thing called COVID-19 hits. So how did the preparation of this tornado striking Parker University and your recovery, how did that prepare you in one way or another when COVID-19 struck and, and all of a sudden we were, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't go outside, we had to wear a mask, um, quarantined. G give me some insight behind that. Well, we were already going online. We knew that the future is on online education. We've been, the whole world has been resisting that. And faculty tend to want to stick, you know, people don't like change. This forced that change, but we had already, you can see we've got a movie studio here. We've already invested heavily in, in online, the online experience. And not just online, but the virtual experience. And, and we're already jumping to the next thing, virtual reality classrooms, where people get, head you know headsets and they're actually looking at it so we were already set that with that and then covid i mean then the tornado hit so we could pivot some of our classes online covid hit we were already online and all of our students had computers already so we just pivoted and i was pleasantly surprised how fast and how professionally our faculty and staff just pivoted over and the students were wonderful to take it now we have hands-on techniques we have to do too. So we had to pivot. Now we're having to backfill and put a lot more of that in. But for the most part, we were able to do that. Now, remember I had eight buildings destroyed. So when COVID went up, you know, our, those who I won't call them competitors, but those who are in our peer organization were calling us out like, do you want to go to Parker during the rebuild? Well, nobody's on campus now. So during COVID, so we were at a chance to rapidly do these build outs. And right now, and for that next several months, we're doing build out and destruction and, and demolition while they're off campus, we may, we try to really maximize that time. Mm -hmm. When they come back, they're going to come back to a brand new, um, when they come back in, in earnest, because they're already on, on campus. But when they come back, 
fully online, we'll have a brand new uh, state-of-the-art campus for, for them to return to. So you you, you uh, discussed there briefly that you said, you know, you mentioned in your your prelude, were you able to actually grow during during this period of from tornado to COVID and 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 where we are today year we over have year and was tremendously during this period. Wow. Wow. We're, we're the fastest growing college in this half of Texas. Wow. So, so now let's talk about some, you know, get, get back to strategy a little bit here. Um, you know, you, you, we, we, we both share this passion for not only developing a strategy, but getting it done. And, and so from and obviously I don't want to include any proprietary information. Um, just just kind of basic basic understanding. But what are some metrics that you have been measuring for your own success in the strategy? And and um, did you have to make any adaptations to that, or have you been able to stay consistent with what means success at Parker University? Well, one of the metrics was we're a nonprofit, so we're seeking advancement. That is gift people who want to invest in our vision. So when there was an, a period of uncertainty, that took a little bit of a dip. We didn't change the numbers though. We didn't change the numbers of, of what our, our, our those metrics were. We also had metrics for student growth and the number of, of, of uh, what do you call it, um, programs that we're gonna offer. We keep adding more programs. So those metrics are still in place and we are tracking on them. Now we could ease, now what, Everybody loves my, I, I like using the metaphor of levers, levers and buttons and dials. Now, a poor strategic plan would be say, we're going to grow, we're going to save money, and we're going to make a lot of buildings. Well, you can't do everything at once. You have to pull one lever back. You know, we, maybe we won't save money if we're going to be building buildings and, 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 and growing. So we were able to, to tinker with the levers quite a bit. But for the most part, those metrics are still in place. And mm. how we're moving forward is when we have a board meeting, Every one of my, my direct reports, when they report to the board, they link that report. How does it fit into the strategic plan? It has mm. to have the paragraph it goes to. That's uh, music to my ears. I remember that was your vision when we first met, you know, when we, when we talked about um, what you envisioned seeing and seeing the connection. How much, you know, most organizations that when I initially first work with them, they, they talk all about the lagging indicators. We're, we're trying to grow 20% or, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make a greater impact in society or something like that. It's, it's the end result. How much time, you mentioned these levers, um, how much yeah. time are you spending in focus on the leading indicators, the things that you can actually control to create the outcomes from a positive perspective. And maybe you could give me an example of something specific that you might focus on there. Let's see, we, we have we have a seminar, our, our founder, Jim Parker, had a seminar business and he he ran that. So we're, our goal was, of course, to we wanted to have more, more attendees than when he was running the, that. So we have, um, that's a kind of a short fuse. We advertise now, we get um, people to come to those seminars. And our goal this year was 8,500 people coming there. Well. That's one of those things that you have a pretty short fuse on, like becoming 2,500 students in our campus. That's a long aspirational goal that we're going after. And we advertise today and there's an 18 month lag before we meet a student before they usually arrive because it's a it's a it's a four year program and you have a four year degree before they get here. So that's a long time. But the seminar is a little shorter period of time. So with that we're able to, to pour into that. And what we did for that is 
pivoted to virtual events. And you can, as I said, we, we went big into the virtual events. Instead of dabbling with it, like our strategic plan is to get this 8,500 um, attendees at our seminars. So they're not gonna come if we're doing Zoom calls. So we, we went ahead and invested in a product that makes you know, very high quality events with interaction with, with folks and, and with it, our numbers are still growing even with our virtual events versus our live events. Hmm. Hmm. That, that's a, uh, that's interesting. It's a good example there of a very good example of, of driving once again, the, the things to do, right. You know, ultimately the strategies to ultimately end up getting to your outcomes. What, you know, t t today um, from other, you know, just again, again, think of your your, your strategic plan uh, that you ha have helped driving. Um, what do you envision the next year or two or three years ahead? You know, what, how how much how much are you be doing and driving that, and and how organized and thoughtful do you have your strategies built out for the next few years? Well, the the strategy we had a five year plan. Most of it will be done in, in two years. We got wow. a little hiccup. We have a few things that got bumped back because of the COVID. But what happens is is we're the action, the energy is attracting people. It's causing this vortex that draws all light, you know, <laughs> into us. Um, when I when we we lost these buildings, I, and and I realized how long it would take to get through the building process. I'm like, I needed a quick win because I have students who are who saw it destroyed. It took about a year to get the the uh, demo done. In fact, we had a movie studio from Hollywood come to us, and they wanted to film a post-apocalyptic movie on our campus. That's how bad <laughs> no the destruction kidding. was. So what we did, we had this beautiful building that Jim Parker had used for his printing and publishing. And, um, it was beautiful, solid, good bones. And then we're going to make that into the best gym that anybody's ever seen. So what we did was we went, we blitzed into that, made this world-class gym. It's right next door. And from that, one of our new majors is strength and human performance. So that is attracting undergrad and graduate students to that. We have a master's degree and a bachelor's degree in strength and human performance, which is a hot item right now. So you come to this great gym that wouldn't have been here if we hadn't had the tornado and that's drawing people. And that's, that creates that buzz and the buzz starts drawing more people. Wow. I it just, I, I keep on hearing this, this uh, repeated pattern of where, through literally through the rubble and through the freezing right of action that had of a COVID-19 you've just like bulldozed right through and, and and just taken your organization to the next level yeah we're trying to steal the people are sitting there you know just frozen we're trying to steal their lunch as they're sitting there you know with their hands up um in the various <laughs> various product lines that we have good for you good for you um as that, that is a really exciting uh, around that um let's talk a little bit about you, you have a really interesting you know background and and some you know really interesting stories of of can you share a story of where you started to learn strategy perhaps you know um i don't know if you want to go back to your military background or perhaps more recently when you were setting up you know walter reed hospital the, the chiropractic clinic G give me some insights into when you really started to learn strategy and, and what's kind of like the one or two big things you took away from that you're still utilizing today? Well, like all of us, we're, we gravitate towards, towards tactics. And when I was in small unit, unit combat um, as a recon in reconnaissance Marines were jump and scuba where I met Sergeant Lynn, then Sergeant Lynn Scott 45 years ago, you're, 
you're doing tactics, but sometimes tactics create aid and strategy. And what I love is for me, it's the direct reports, how to, how to, how to transmit the strategy is I'm really big in having small teams. The Marine Corps is based on a four-man rifle team that reports, there's four teams and a squad who reports to squad leaders. There's four platoons in a company. There are four companies in a battalion, four, company, four battalions in a, in a regiment, four battalions. So you get it. It goes all the way up to the Joint Chiefs who has his four that direct to him. You can manage four people pretty well and, and get the information out. So that's the model I go with. But also, I've had the opportunity, if you imagine, over the last 20 years, I've, had, I've talked to I've 36 presidential candidates, wow. three, three presidents, a couple chairmen of the Joint Chiefs, I think a half dozen you know, chair, chair, chairmen. And, you know, sometimes I'm flying with them in private aircraft, so you sit, you're sitting there for hours and you're actually talking about leadership. And what made you, you know, and decision making, things like that. So I kind of had a uh, serendipitous uh, MBA in leadership through being exposed to the leaders of our age, and being and being exposed to them, just you know, listening to their process, and sometimes hearing them make decisions, you know, like the fly on the wall. The I love that. Can you share a, you know, and maybe not, you don't have to give it a direct uh, to any, you know, obviously anything confidential. Um, but but what was from one of these, whether it be a past president or, you know, a key congressional leader or a Supreme Court leader or some um, somebody in the Supreme Court, what was something that you took away from watching them in their role and all the responsibility that they had on a regular basis how did they carry themselves and, and what type of characteristics do they have so they can deal with all of that pressure? Well, I've got lifelong do not disclose agreements that could put me in a place making little ones out of, out of big ones. But a couple of, you know, I remember with one service head who would come and you know, would give purple hearts to, to people at our hospital and found that one of his service members had died, just seeing the physical pain of that person realizing that he'd lost one of his one of his troops, even though he, hundreds of thousands of them report to him. Um, but also realizing the mission, the main thing is the main thing. I would say that the, the, the whole reason to have a military is defense. It's not a social, uh, there's not, you know, there's social agendas within the military, but the main thing is the main thing. Our mission, the Marine Corps, winning battles, not fighting battles, we need the, 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 the nation does not need the Marines to go do a good job or do their best. The nation needs the Marine Corps to win battles and to know that's what they're driving force for everything. Every decision they make, does this help us win battles or is this fluff? And, if, and for me, my, 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 my staff, does this get us to our end goal? So the, the more people understand the, the strategic plan I have now, the least they have to interact with me. We, when we had the strategic plan, we shared it with everybody to the point of the custodial staff. And I had the person who cleans our fountains stop me and he goes, you know, doc, been working here for 40 years. I know why I'm cleaning this fountain now. I know where I fit in in that strategic plan mm. because of you explaining it down to, to, to everybody. So everybody understood it. So our That's powerful. It is. It was part of our SWOT analysis. That was our weakness. We need to make sure people feel safe on campus. And he was—he knew exactly how he fit into that plan. 
Yeah, that is part. There's something you touched on there, and and uh, it's probably its own episode or three. There, <laughs> there's. We all know that we stumble when we try new things, right? There's always there's always this, but there, there's almost this over pursuit of um, almost celebrating failure today. Um, it, it's kind of a cliche thing to, hey, I failed this and I failed that. You just said something really profound. You can't, it's it's not good to fail in the military. People's lives are at stake. Um, so what's your thoughts on that? You know, when you hear like this common, you, you want people to have the confidence to move through and realize that not everything's going to succeed, but how do you create this so you're you're having a greater likelihood of success? How, how do you put that mindset in and that, I, w- I dare dare not say it. You know, failure is not an option, so to speak. But 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 really, at the same time, we are we are going to do the best to succeed. Well, there's 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 two ways. And one thing I did see in the military was something I didn't like. It became the the, the one failure and you're out. Zero mm. failure. Military. So what happens is that economy is someone who takes chances makes a failure. They don't get promoted. They're they're out. You you drag it. If you're a ship's captain, if your anchor drags. You're done. You're fired from being a ship's captain, and you'll never command again. That could be the only mistake you made in a 40-year career, but you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arlie Burke was our famed. He was a, C, a CNO, the chief of naval operations, I think, for four tours. He actually, in World War II, he fired on some other Navy ships by mistake. He lived to, you know, today, he'd be done. He ended up being one of our greatest naval heroes, Arlie Burke. And mm-hmm. so you need to allow for mistakes. I mean. The, the bigger goal is you can have mistakes and you don't want to have it be a one mistake institution where, hey, you, you screwed up, you're gone. You did that. I hope you learned from it. But the big goal is to win wars. The Marine Corps, you can lose battles. Don't want to. But the Marine Corps, what it is, they're going to win battles. It's a matter of what the cost is. Mm. Same for us. We're going to win the battle. And if we, if we fight smart, the cost isn't as great as if we don't play as smart. Yeah, that that's a great, great analogy there. Uh, as we're getting to that point of that, I, once again, I, I love talking with you, Bill. Um, we gotta get to that that close to wrap up stage. I know you're a big book reader. You're looking back and going, yeah, oh, that felt gosh. like you know it's some of your library back here. Uh, just give me uh, what's what is one of your favorites that you just have this tendency to go back to regularly oh you know it's goodness. not like a one-time a deal book boy um of course think and grow rich is one of those books that i go back to it's one of those ones you almost should should read every year it's a little dated but you know it's if you you take it in context where it was at napoleon hill um you know understanding the the value of masterminds and just how money works um there's other there's other books um the art of war is good but you know there's tidbits in it it's kind of a dry read but it's also good i you know i, I love uh i see you have jocko willick who's one of our speakers for parker seminars extreme ownership um i think that's important uh i like uh duckworth's book on grit is i mean as i say you've got my library behind you i see grant cardone's book 10x rule um once when i go back to quite often um i had to go i could actually read quite a bit oh good strategy bad strategy that's mm. that's it right there. Good yep, strategy, Ramel. bad strategy. Yep. yep. That yep. should be in every CEO's library. So what what book are you now? What's or you, what's what's a book that you just I, recently finished I, or you're in right now? I just I, I write 
I write fiction sometimes too for as an event. So I just finished a book called The Last 50 Pages. But the one I'm starting now is General McChrystal's A Team of Teams. Of course, mm. I'm big on teams. So that's, that's one. And then another one I'm reading simultaneously. One's a book on tape. And one I'm reading is Unstoppable Teams. Mm. It's written by a Navy SEAL. And the thing about Navy SEALs is everyone is required to write a book upon discharge. Um, that's a joke. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, it's, uh, both of those are, are teams. So one's in my easy chair, one's in my commute and driving around. That, that's fantastic. And more than what, and I, I, I'm sure you've read this one, Jocko Willink's book on leadership strategy and tactics. I've, I've seen that. So I, I think, for, frankly, most SEALs, they emphasize the tactics more than the strategy. So I'm trying to go, that's why I'm going with the General McChrystals. He's, he's gotten from special ops up to the tactical level. level. And well, I encourage that one. I, I am oh, a, it's, it's uh, oh, I, I put it in my, I have a pretty strong top 10 strategy books and it hit the top 10. Okay, I'll get it. So, so it, it, it blew me away. He, he really put the whole thing in st leadership strategy and tactics all together and, and really did a great job of defining the differences between them, which is often misunderstood. You, you know, you, you had to just do all your experience, but it, um, pretty well done. So uh, yeah, I do, do encourage that one. Uh, Bill, this has been fantastic. I, I appreciate it so much. Once again, we've been talking with, uh, Dr. William Morgan, president of Parker university at Bill, where can people learn more about you and the university? Well, it's, Parker.edu is is our uh, website, and of course through Facebook. I have a presence on Facebook, William E. Morgan DC on Facebook, and I'll respond to your to your uh, your messages within reason. <laughs> That's perfect. Now, Bill, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is Carl J. Cox from the Measure Success Podcast, learning from great leaders to make a positive difference. And, and Bill, thank you so much for helping to launch the Measure Success Podcast. You've been great uh, early guest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carl. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.